Hi, this is Donna Otto, and I don't know about you, but I've heard Ecclesiastes read so many times in my lifetime, but I'm struck with the five lessons that I'm about to offer to you on the subject of training the will of your child. I've talked a lot about the will of a woman, and I've said for decades, an unruly mother cannot expect anything other than unruly children. And dear King Solomon, he says, for everything there is a season, every matter under heaven, a time to be born and die, to plant and pluck up, to kill and to heal, to break down, to build up, to weep, to laugh, to mourn, to dance, to throw stones, to gather stones, to embrace and to refrain from embracing, to seek and lose, to keep and throw away to tear and sow, keep silence and speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And I have been praying for you regarding these five lessons, that it's a time for you to listen to the Lord about the possibilities of reparenting you and then what you might change in your parenting style for your children. If you've just listened to my husband David's five life questions, then you'll recognize the pattern of when is enough enough found in Proverbs 30, 15, the pattern found in this lesson two of training the will of a child. Remember, train up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from it is not a promise, just a practical instruction from God for parents. So don't be mad at God or mad at yourself if your children fail. Just keep training and teaching. I'm pleased to offer these five shows. You will hear our co-voice Kim Olinger introduce each show. They were taped before a live studio audience. Today's lesson will leave you empowered, uplifted, and inspired as Donna Otto teaches Training the Will of Your Child. Who is the center of your home? Is it your children or is it your Lord Jesus Christ? Listen as Donna shares biblical and practical ways of training your child the way he or she should go. Proverbs 22, 6. This was taped in front of a live audience with the women of the Scottsdale Study Group. I know how to raise my children. Proverbs 12 and 1. Did I give that to someone? 12 and 1. No, no one. Uh, Lexi, okay. Whoever loves instruction What version are you reading from? I kind of like that one. <laughs> the one who loves instruction. Girls, I'm not talking about your children. They don't love instruction. But do you? That's why you're here. I know you do. That's why you love instruction. You are not stupid. But don't narrow in and say, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. I've done this. I have a four-year-old. I know all about... Don't ever stop Seeking God and his word and instruction. Instruction that's found in the message of God. Proverbs 13 and 24. I'll tell you what that one says. Spanking is a good thing. Now we're not talking about spanking today. We are going to do a lesson on to spank or not to spank. But the scripture is very clear to talk about the rod of correction. The rod of correction. It's a very dangerous place. I have a friend who lives in Nebraska who paid a $500 fine. I know this woman well. She did not abuse her child, but she spanked in public. You have to be careful. 
This is the kind of culture, post-Christian culture, that we live in. And spanking to an outside outsider or someone who wants to distort what a spanking looks like could be construed as abuse. So we have to be careful. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm going to give you a couple more. I want my children to have as much as possible. I want you to read uh, Proverbs uh, 30, starting at verse 15. And, and the wise man asks this question. When is enough enough? When is enough enough? Now, I'm not here to give an editorial on the economy of our country, but let me just tell you that a lot of the problems we're suffering from right now are because some people did not know when enough was enough. And the scripture is very clear to tell us to protect the poor, to watch out, to not be oppressive in greed and gathering for yourself so that we leave others out. You have to work through that as a family, what God calls you to do. But when is enough enough? When are enough toys enough? When are there enough Starbucks? When are there enough goings and comings? When are there enough activities? When is enough enough? Mamas, ask it for yourself first. When is enough enough? Are you still out looking for more and more and more? Well, you're going to transfer that principle to your children. But then if you've already trained your children in a way that they are expecting it, when is enough enough? Well, George MacDonald said, the will is the deepest place in a human being. The will is the deepest place in the human being. Now, I say that to you because I know how tough what you're doing is. You are taking this little homo sapien that God has given you as a gift and you're scratching your head someday saying, why? Why did I want this child? Believe me, that never goes away. My daughter is 38 years old and there are days when I wake up and I go, thanks God. I think, oh, I am an honest woman. Being a parent is a difficult job and it is a difficult job from birth through life. And you think they're going to grow up and go away. They're going to be 14. They're going to be 16. They're going to get a driver's license. You're going to cry your heart out. My daughter drove out of the driveway in our little gray sob. I sobbed. I sobbed and I sobbed. I thought, oh, Lord, I thought I let go of her. I thought I let go of her when she made the egg. I thought I went to school. Now she's got a car. I can't even reach her. I don't know where she is. You, the, these passages go on and on and on in our lives. But being a parent is never an easy job. The day she got engaged, I was thrilled. I was a part of the day. It was such a wonderful event. It was her birthday. Jason had come from Michigan, actually from Florida, where he'd been, and the, the ring and the whole thing. It was a big surprise. It was just wonderful. I love to tell that story. Anybody who wants to take me to lunch, I'll tell you that story. It's a wonderful day. Next morning, I woke up at 5.30 in the morning. I'd been praying for this man since my daughter was born. And I woke up sobbing, beating my hand in my prayer chair, saying, oh, no, she's really gone. My girl is now his girl. Him. Him who I don't even know. Him who has really messed up my life. Him. <laughs> you know, I had a single child for a long time. Hi, Nis. Want to go here for Thanksgiving? Sure, Mom. Yeah. Send her plane ticket. She was there. Now I got this lug. Well, do they both want to go? I got to check with my husband. Oh, he's in my way. It happens. And then two little rugrats, they're really in my way. Now, you know that I love my child and my son-in-law and my grandchildren. It changes your life. 
it changes your life. And the will is the deepest part of who that child is. And just like my will is being conformed and transformed at 62 years old, so is the deepest part of your child. And you're just in the early places of it. And it is not easy work. It is why we purport here that it's a full-time job, that you need every hour to pray and think and plan and take time individually with these children so that you understand the deepest part of their will. Hannah Whitehall Smith said, the will is king, the emotions are servant. Remember that. The emotions are servants to the will. The will is the king. It rules us. And we want it to be what Christ said. And what did Christ say about his will? Not my will. He was Jesus Christ, a member of the Trinity. Are you listening to me? Jesus Christ, a member of the Trinity, says to God the Father, not my will, but your will be done. Now, if Christ is having trouble with it, can you imagine what I'm having with? And what your little ones who don't understand the word will at all, who don't have any idea that their emotions are ruling them, that they're out of line, that they're being disobedient, that they want what they want because they want what they want. This is the Minnesota Crime Commission. Every baby starts out life as a little savage. He is completely selfish and self-centered. How many of you have an infant and know this to be true? He wants what he wants, when he wants it, his bottle, his mother's attention, his playmates, his mother's breast, his toys, his uncles watch him. Deny him these things and he seethes with rage and aggressiveness. Have you ever seen a two-week-old arch his back and scream out loud? Is, is that for a two-week-old seething with aggression? It is. It's rage. It's rage gone amok. If permitted to continue to self-centered world of his infancy, given free reign to his impulse actions to satisfy his wants, every child would grow up to be a criminal, a thief, a killer, and a rapist. That's the Minnesota Crime Commission. Okay? Because that very will left uncontrolled, untrained, is exactly that. Now, that sounds really harsh, Donna, but if you've not witnessed a two-year-old who's throwing a temper tantrum, or worse than that, an old person who's throwing a temper tantrum. Once a year, we have a homemaker's garage sale. Lori, it was at your house. You remember this? Lori Edwards was hosting our garage sale. And I was there. I love the garage sales. I don't get to come to all of them, but I love it. I love to hang out. I just hang out. And this guy came up, and he started picking up things. Oh, this is too high. Oh. And I, so I kind of walked over by him, and, and I did my best. We're raising money for mothers who are staying at home, mothers who are raising the next generation who will be the leaders of the world speech. He not only didn't hear me, he kept insulting everything. Well, that's too much. You obviously have never run a garage sale. You have no idea what you're doing. And I, suddenly I had this grief that came over me. I could still remember the sensation. And I thought, boy, an infant who arches his back is ugly. A two-year-old who's throwing himself on the floor is disgusting. A 14-year-old who is disobeying his parent is not pretty. But an 80-year-old? An 80-year-old? And the Minnesota Crime Commission is right. That's what happens to us if we're left to run amok ourselves. 
The training of the will is a very, very important part of your training your children. It's a strong will versus a stubborn will. I think I, uh, you know, I know James Dobson wrote that wonderful book about the strong-willed child, but I never liked the title of that book. I thought it should have been The Stubborn-Willed Child because I want my child to have a strong will. The proverb says, The righteous man falls down seven times and rises up. The unwise man falls down and doesn't get back up. I want her to be strong. I want my grandchildren to be able to stand through hard times and persevering times. That's different than a stubborn will. A stubborn will that says, I want what I want when I want it, and I'm going to get it. And so you're, the difference for you between child training and child teaching is about your understanding how essential this is. Now, on the website, you're going to be able to find this in print, okay, that I'm just going to sort of go back and forth a little seesaw as we end today's lesson. The difference between teaching and training, okay? The difference between training and teaching, I'll give you a definition for both. You'll find this on the website. And then the goal of each one, okay? There is a difference. Don't confuse them thinking that to teach and to train are the same. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from that. Do you have an assurance of that? The Word of God says that we train up our child When he is old, he will not depart from that. Does that mean he is going to make a wise choice somewhere in his life to follow Christ and you can be assured of it? No, it doesn't mean that. Because the Proverbs are just that. They're practical, proverbial truths that by and large, by and large, a proverb is a practical application that works. Is it a promise? No, it's not a promise. Would you take the practical application? even if it isn't a promise, because the, the, the reality is that men and women who are trained up in the way they should go, even if they depart, and I could give you story after story, including John Newton, who was a slave trader, fell flat on the ship bringing home a load of slaves from Africa to England, and he fell on the ship and remembered his mother's admonitions and gave himself totally to Christ. Constantine, many, many people who are well-known in the history of civilization, who came back, and came back because they had a praying, faithful parent, parents who trained them in the way they should go. Teaching. Okay, Proverbs 22.6 is a passage for training. Teaching, Psalm 71.17. Why did that even get on the board? Psalm 71.17. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and I still declare thy wondrous deeds. So that process that we read about in Proverbs, not to reject instruction, is an ongoing way of life. So your training and your teaching. Okay, training, training is demonstrable, observable behavior. Demonstrable, observable behavior. You say no and the child stops. Not argues with you. Stops. Training, demonstrable, observable behavior. Now, we know that that can be the difference between life and death. A child who runs to the curb and a car is coming, if a a mother has trained that child to say, stop, 
No, and that child responds as he should, obediently, and not after, I'm going to count to three, if you don't do it this time, not after yelling, screaming. No, no means no. And there are these obedient rules of this house that are not to be broken. They are in honor of God because it pleases him, and they are in honor of your parents because you are to honor your parents. And in this case, it's about your safety, little one. Can you tell a two-year-old that a car weighs 3,700 pounds and he weighs 40 pounds and that 3,700 pounds will run over him? And he'll, no, you cannot tell that. You do not have to tell them that. Your culture says, talk it out, let him feel it, blah, blah. And now, don't misunderstand me. And, and I hope you all come back next week when I finish this lesson. It's very important that we understand the feelings and we sympathize. Susan Tooten has a wonderful lesson that she does in part of one of her lessons on gentleness. And she said, we should learn the language of sympathy with our children. The language of sympathy. But that doesn't mean that you can be disobedient. So observable behavior. And then teaching is teaching the truth, the messages of the scripture. The messages of truth. They are imparting knowledge. They are teaching principles. So, I have a principle of obedience, and that obedience I teach. And when do I start teaching? Now, most of you will fall into one category or another. What category do you think I fall into? I'm a good trainer or I'm a good teacher? Teacher. I want to be the teacher all the time. Anyone who has lunch with me knows we're going to I'm going to teach you something. I'm trying not to do that, okay? But that's my natural bent. Some of you are better trainers. That's why this lesson is so important, because we have to be able to do both and be able to measure both, okay? The goal for training is to perform certain ways. Oh, some of you are saying, are you into performance? You betcha. I'm into rote memory. I'm into training when you don't feel like it. I'm into a child looking up at me and saying, hello, Mrs. Otto, because her mother trained her to do it. Because it's right, and it's polite, and it's kind. Yes, there are times when your children say, I want to talk to her. But you're training them not to do that. Sonia makes the reference to talking, and thank you. You've all been so quiet this morning. These are just respectful kind things that we do to one another because we value relationship. So training, we learn, we teach our children to learn to do things whether they feel like it or not. Hello, my name is Abigail Grace. Hello, Mrs. Otto. Not, don't touch me, I don't want to talk to you. There, and it is a, a principle based on a principle, but it is rote memory. And if a child says, I don't feel like it, I'm really sorry about that. How many of you get up in the morning and don't feel like doing all the things you have to do? I don't feel like making my bed this morning, Mommy. I'm so sorry. Make your bed, Jonathan. I don't feel like going to school. You know, at our house, you were dead. You went to school. I don't feel like tucking in my shirt. We're going to Grandma's, and Grandma likes shirts tucked in. It's just a polite thing to do. Am I, am I killing the self inside the child? No. I'm giving that child the confidence to be all he or she can be in relationship to the world they live in and the message and the truth of God. Okay, teaching, the goal for teaching is to, train, is to teach integrity, 
the virtues, purity, honesty, truthfulness. My father-in-law was in his 60s, and they sold a house that had a furnace in it that he literally had to go downstairs and kick it and shake it and clamp down the front some days to get it to work. My mo little mother-in-law, she's a tiny little girl, about five foot two inches, she said to me, I, I would wake up, they lived in Wisconsin, I would wake up afraid that I was going to freeze to death because the furnace was not going to work all night. And when my father-in-law sold the house, because he was a man of integrity, he went and bought a new furnace for the new owner. Because he said, I can't sell them this house, even if I tell them how bad it is. I'm not sure everybody can kick it in the right place and get it to go. Now, that's the teaching. We're teaching integrity. It's never too late, mothers. It is never too late to begin training the will of a child. Are you listening to me? It is never too late. Be a mother who is willing to train the will of your child. It's not easy work. Be a mother who is willing to train the will of your child. Be a mother who is a mother of the word so she knows the truth. Because the truth will set you free and it will set your children free. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we are never too old to be reminded that we need to have strict obedience to who you are. You love us so much. And it is not that we obey you because we are afraid of you, Lord. We have righteous fear for you because you are the God of the universe. We, have, we want to obey you because we want to please you. And you have called us to submission and obedience. Help us not to take these words and realign them in a way that is pleasing to the culture. Help us, Lord, to follow after you faithfully. Each one of the women in this room, thank you for them, Lord. Thank you that they love instruction and correction. Thank you that they come together. As Samuel said, Nana, will you go with me? They've come together to go with each other in this process. Thank you for homemakers and the place it holds in all of our lives. In your precious name we pray these things. Amen.